Hello, Scotty. Hello, Mr. Fox. How are you? Are you having the Scottiest day you've ever had in the in the last two days? Do you mean, am I having a day that's turned out to be rather unproductive and frustrating as a Scotty day? Then yes, I'm having a good one of those. <laughs> well, hold on a second. You're telling me that the, the single copper wire internet connection for East Bollockshire wasn't restored yet? Oh, no, no. It's nothing to do with technical. It's just down to my own incompetence and inability to solve problems. Ah. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh gosh! But All but John, right. I well, do like that. Let's let's blame let's blame technology. Yes, technology has turned me into an idiot, just like the other half of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, gosh, Scotty, where 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 do we begin today? Would you like to have some happy news? Uh... Is this like, do you want the good news or the bad news, and then I'm going to get both, or is it like all just all good news today? I think it's mostly all good news today. Okay, let's have some good news then. As we have, well, the good... Because if we only have good news, and you ask me if I'd like some good news, and but we don't have bad news, and I say no, then the show is over, which I guess could be good for some people, good news for some people as well. So, <laughs> but there we are. Oh, no. But, but let's, let's <laughs> have... Is... Sorry, is that too meta? Too meta? I don't know. It's... It's too meta, yeah. especially it's too meta this too early in the morning and, and, and not enough coffee drunk yet. All right, um, John, give so me good, some good stuff. The good news is that uh, the the hit single One More Thing by James Dempsey and the Brinkpoints uh, launched on Apple Music yesterday and is now available on Spotify and I assume you know other leading music services, whatever they may be, I'm assuming like Bandcamp or something. And this is a recording that uh, we made a couple of weeks ago, James and I were, you know, went into a studio nearby and that was its own glorious, you know, experience to play live drums in a live room. I think I, I talked about it a little bit. Um, uh, and so it, it went out and it went out yesterday just in the nick of time because as, as many people who listen to this podcast should know that yesterday was the 10th anniversary of the passing of Steve Jobs. Um, so there have been all sorts of remembrances going on, and I think he's famous in his presentations for the one more thing. So I, I think it's pretty cool. And there was just a a cast of characters of of people from the indie Mac and 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 iOS developer world, and Apple engineers, current and former, and it was quite an undertaking. And I think it turned out rather well. I will definitely leave it in the show notes, and I encourage all our listener <laughs> to listen to it. Well, okay, okay, John. I mean, firstly, I found an email about it in my inbox this morning, and I listened to it, and it's been really well done. Um, you know, I would expect nothing less from you know James and the gang. Um, so that is great. But you know, I have to say, I'm really disappointed. I'm really, Damn. really disappointed. When would Steve Jobs have ever opened the show with one more thing? Yeah. That wasn't that the perfect thing to finish on today when we had one more thing? This is why you're in engineering, not in marketing, because you just climax too early all the time. Oh, my God. Well, that's terrible. Okay, yeah, and, and, and I forgot all my Hollywood producer things. Maybe we should just, like, start the whole thing over again. Well, no, because that would just be, like, a normal week because your batteries run out. But, um, <laughs> so there we are. That's it. The show, has, the show has reached its pinnacle, folks, with one more thing. You can just... Fuck off now and just do whatever you like with the rest of your day because it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Gosh, Scott, he's so mean. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, yes, uh, it's um, it's a good effort. Uh, it's a fun song and people should go stream it. People should have it on repeat all day so that James makes shitloads of money. Um, I think a million plays should get him a dollar, so just keep going. Yeah, something like that, yeah, honestly. 
Yeah, no, you you can actually purchase it as well. <laughs> it's like a for a whopping dollar. I think a, a, a single purchase is probably more than you know. Probably you're not that far off. <laughs> a million streams will get you about a dollar. So it's, do, it's does anybody still buy music for digital music? I know some people still buy uh, vinyl and will buy CDs and, and whatever else. And you know, I sort of, uh, I, I sort of get that. Um, yeah, although I did see a really quite um you know, i thought amusing cartoon i can't remember what it was the other day there was you know two guys in a, in a in a front room and you know the stereo setup was there with the the record deck and everything that and he's just saying yeah the the two things that really got me into vinyl were the cost and inconvenience uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but i know people who like to buy physical music but do people still buy digital music is one-offs i mean i guess they do because it's available and i can't imagine people like apple maintaining the iTunes no store. i think honestly the 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 only reason i can imagine that people do it is if is is merely to to show support for artists and, and and there are there are other ways of doing it you know but that's an easiest way of doing it you know i i I, for for many years, just you know, since forever, you know, uh, if I see a musician out there playing, and, unless they're just actively awful and, and I want to kill them, you know, then maybe I give them twenty dollars and say, please stop. But I think you know, I, I just I, I think that music is such a civilizing influence in the world that I just, as a matter of course, do it. And I susp- and I see that for for some time now, the savvier ones have nice, attractive Venmo targets or kind of you know, cash listings and, and whatnot. And, and I suspect that, it, you know, the, the, the average tip for that is probably larger than, you know, most people these days don't happen to have a dollar. Most people have no cash these days whatsoever. But I think that most people, even if they had a dollar in their pocket, if they pull out Venmo, I, I have to imagine that they, that they, the minimum thing is probably $5. And that's probably a more meaningful, you know, bit of support than, than the, the, the oddball 99 cent download from which, the artist will then end end up getting whatever two thirds of that, but you know I think in the end it's there's the you there's no way to do there's no way to afford to do music other than to not have it be your career unless you are point zero 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 one percent of 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 musicians who you know have attained a level of jay z or or beyonce below that it's just a a fall off okay so let let's let's go let's do this properly then so everybody should go and download the song for ninety nine cents. And then put it on repeat streaming on your Apple Music or Spotify, even though you've just bought it digitally, so that they get Precisely. paid. So they get paid again. And by doing yep. that, maybe James will make five dollars. Yeah, which exactly. is it's an improvement. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, and and all I'll say two more things about it, and then I'll shut up. So I mean, I think that the other truly impressive thing about it is the guy Russell Bond, who is the producer of the song, who himself is a fine drummer, fine musician, you know, uh, had his own recording studio um, and uh, did all did the the other James Dempsey recordings. Um, I, I'm totally impressed by by how he took <laughs> 32 submissions beyond, you know, uh, you know, the one that beyond the two tracks. That 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 James and I recorded, you know, the drum the drum tracks. There were multiple tracks, you know, for close mic drums and then his vocal takes and whatnot. Beyond that, that was done in the studio. I think there were thirty two other recordings that were in there. So there were something like sixteen guitar parts. Unbelievable. And there's didgeridoos, a whole bunch of, of trombones and and trumpets, and I think a sax here and there, and then just like a whole chorus of vocals. Um, and the other interesting thing is that he, he wasn't there when we were doing the the, the drum recording. 
but he sent a bunch of instructions, which at the time didn't quite make sense, but now I absolutely makes sense of about, you know, in addition to actually doing the, the recording through, locked to a, a click track. Um, I says, you know, could you could you do a couple of measures of fills where you just take a you know you you do a fill and then you take a, a one measure break and then and then hit a crash symbol again and and just an entire variety of those, and that's because I suppose he he knew in advance there were going to be all these oddball you know instruments on there and he says that we need a place to be able to have a break where you can you know pass the mic to the didgeridoo or whatever other instruments and that that i thought was really fun so i'm 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 kind of curious to see what the actual logic file looks like um which has made me all curious about this because i've never really played with it i've I've, you know last time i was in a recording studio i'm embarrassed to say uh, it was all you know all tape (laughs) and and you know digital digital studios didn't didn't exist digital audio editors barely existed certainly not multi-track at 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 the at the sample rate and the quality and and all the features the quantizing features the pitch correction features the all the onboard effects it's kind of insane what you can do um, and so to see how that was all assembled was was pretty amazing. So that was fun. It's always good when you have fun, and then something creative comes at the end of it. Yeah, that's really what our jobs are supposed to be, really, isn't it? Entirely fun with something creative coming at the end of it. But um, yeah, yeah. So tell it's... us about something that creative that came out the end of you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I made a good curry last week. That was good, but um. <laughs> <laughs> and burned both ways. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, burns in both directions is the good sign of a good carry. But there we are. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I can't talk about the, some of the creative come at the end of it. I've been doing a lot of client work the last uh, couple of weeks, and I'm not really allowed to talk about uh, much of it. So I'm just trying to think what uh, can I say. Yeah, I've, I've, is it like I've uh, started a newish project for an existing client? Uh, and I'm joining a project uh, that's, you know, a long way through. Um, in fact, I think it's, it's, it's been released. It's well, close to being released, actually. And, um, you yeah, know, but there's there's like a feature set that's needed, and I'm just like working on this feature set. Um, and so I've got this sort of double exploration where I have to, uh, a work out how a feature should work, and what is the best way of of making this this feature work. But equally, well, coming to understand a code base I've not worked in before, um, and so you know, how much do you do you say? Well, you know, if this feature is going to work really well, this is the way I would design it. If I was just doing this feature as a standalone thing with no connection to anything else, um, you know, how would I design this? Uh, and then say, well, does that now optimum design fit into the way the code base is actually working? Uh, and, you know, if not, how do I form the bridge between the two? And, you know, at some point you say, yeah, that bridge is nice and lightweight. That works. That's good. Or you say, you know, the bridge is bigger than the feature. This isn't going to work. Yeah, you get to, you know, you get to that point. Or do you just approach it from the angle of saying, yeah, okay, so there may be an optimum way of doing this feature, but this uh, this app works in a certain way. It approaches things in a certain style. Um, certain engineering decisions have been made um, already, and so should I try and understand what they are and then just design the feature around that? 
And again, that uh, that means you end up with some consistency, uh, and that means that you know maybe this feature isn't like jarring in the code base to compared to everything else in there. Um, and it doesn't really matter if the code in the feature was better than the code in the old one. If it's different, it still jars, or if it's worse, it you know, it still becomes jarring to be if you're trying to flow through this thing. But equally, that has the downside. You know, whereas the other one you're bridging and how big is that bridge? Is it a little rope bridge through to you know, a huge construction? This one now, sometimes by adopting the way everything's been done before, is you're not only inheriting what's good about the way it's been done before, but you're inheriting what's bad. And when a when an app is built up over a bit of time, uh, had a multiple teams working on it, or part, you know, make up of teams working on it, you know, sometimes, you know, even as engineers, you're honest, you look back and say, well, I wouldn't have... Um, done it that way if i was starting again i've learned so much um so if you're now working on and, and this feature and said it's like it's like a bolt-on so it doesn't have to be you know it, it's not like it's going to be intertwined with everything else in the app it is it, it's bolting on to the to the um the app so it's got a little little bit of leeway there so how much of the just get it right don't deal with the interface or how much of make it match but pick up maybe some of the bad things that have been in there that people have done it again would get rid of. Um, and you've sort of got to, you know, hit the code base, take a look, and then go back to a team and say, this is the feature I've been given, and this is how I'm going to approach it. And, you know, you've been given quite a lot of leeway, but, you know, you then might counter the, well, why are you inheriting all our crap stuff from some of the team? Or you might inherit, why are you calling our stuff crap and doing something different from the rest of the team. So just knowing, you know, because it's the first time you're working with this particular team uh, with this client. So, yeah, there's everything is, you know, when everything is a little bit ambiguous, uh, it becomes, you know, not daunting because this is what we get paid to do. But, if, you know, uh, when you have, you know, when everything is a choice, when there's nothing that's locked down and everything of what you're doing is a choice, um, it's a little bit like, I guess, almost like starting a brand new project where you have just a blank piece of paper and everything is a choice. So, yeah, I find that sort of a, a combination of frustrating and interesting at the same time. So it's sort of, it's enjoyable from the fact that you get to look at these different angles and you get to design, you know, choose whether to design things one way or another way. But equally, it's a little frustrating because you're you're not quite sure how this is going to fit in or whether it's going to be accepted or, or how that's going to go. So uh, it's, so it's been a, it's been a good week because um, none of it's bad, but uh, yeah, that's the, that's where my mind set has been for this week so i don't know if you have any thoughts comments concerns or whether you just want to move on to your own thing uh no i i you know it's always walking into a project of any kind you know whether it's six months old or two years old or five ten years old you know you you can't go back in time i mean you'd love to you'd like to go back in time and, and ask the persons who who worked on it's like were you high when you did this? Were you sleep deprived? Or can you give some other idea about the constraints you were working under? Um, and hopefully good good software engineers will leave some type of breadcrumbs into there to explain, you know, what they were trying to do. Because it, it's, you know, it, it, whoever said it, you know, you spend a lot more time reading code than writing it. And that's where it all becomes so important. Um, 
to be able to explain things and, and explain the mindset or explain what you were dealing with. And, and, and I've now come to realize there, there are two major mindsets that happen. One is you're beginning or you're totally beginning your career or totally beginning with new technology and you have no idea. And maybe the APIs you're working with are complicated or not well documented or the documentation is contradictory, in which case you're just, you're just like, let me try this. Let me try that without really deeply understanding how things are supposed to work or how things are, are documented work aren't really how they do work. Or another main thing is the the people who around you who are trying to figure out what the future should be haven't come to agreement because they can't or, you know, because of context or because they're just unable to make decisions. But in either case, there's all this uncertainty, which in the end gets baked into the spirit of the of of the code um and and i think it is your your duty as a software engineer that it, you know as as a favor to future you or current someone else have to help explain that um and here comes the transition for something i'm working on right now um is that I, i'm facing a, an issue right now where where there are two buttons that need to be arranged and this you would think this should be the easiest thing in the world but when you add in dynamic you know, dynamic type and and adjustments to preferred content size and multiple, you know, expansive languages and small devices. It's what I've been talking about over the last couple of shows, you know, and, and, and I'm finding that to satisfy all these different constraints, everything in life about us trying to satisfy constraints, and it's not easy. Um, and in this particular case, one of the reasons why there's constraints is that this is in the early phase of a project and it's not known where, where, whether this one feature, which is represented by a button, is going to make it in or not, or whether we need to condition on some other things. And so that whole uncertainty process uh, it, it makes for life to be difficult because you need to be able to balance the need for one of these buttons to expand as much as it needs to, as much as it possibly can to make the text legible, especially at larger sizes. And in this case, not wrapped to multiple lines, and and the other you know button has to you know has to has to go no larger than some some size, but until it has that requirement, shouldn't. So it's kind of have to go back and forth. You have two things together. It's kind of like a tug of war. It's like I need space. I need space. Well, how much space do you need? Well, right now I need this. All right, don't take up more than you need. I mean, that's it's honestly, when I look at, at at trying to resolve these constraints, I have to imagine as people talking to each other or, or somebody giving art direction, a choreographer or a parent trying to, to get two kids to cooperate with each other. And resolving constraints is just not an easy undertaking in life or in code. Yeah, it's um, yeah, just UI layout with... Don't get me wrong. Having having things like constraints, auto layout, all the rest of it has made life a lot better than it could have been uh, in in the old days, and especially the very old days. But it doesn't mean it's easy in any no. way at all. No. And no. and the reality is, is 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 you know it is it has improved massively. It is a lot better than it was. But there are still places where it just doesn't quite work right. Um, and that might be just because, you know, it, it, that's not a criticism of, you know, there's bugs or whatever else, Some, because this stuff is hard. Um, you know, a, a completely generic layout system that will work in every circumstance is not an easy task to to resolve. And it is, yeah, I, I would love to know how, you know, if you were to take a single 24-hour period, how many developer hours are spent trying to get some constraints work 
by developers across the world. I bet it's quite a few. I bet. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's. Uh, but there we are. But it's still, we 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 still rather keep them than lose them. I think. Would you say? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been the challenge. But the 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 one triumph, the one kind of thing that I I learned today, I learned, um, is that a a common button experience is to have something that stretches across the width of a container view. You know, imagine a full screen button. And, and if you look in the Netflix app today, there are a couple of places where we have that on the, on the details page, for example. So you tap on a thumbnail, you know, in, in the grid when you when you open up the app and then this the view which is presented, that's called the, the details page. And so there there are, are these full screen buttons which will do things like, you know, play or download, but it, it all, the, the text needs to expand to, to describe the content. So it was like, you know, it could be resume instead of play. It could be download season four, episode three, for instance. So there's there can be either a little bit of text or quite a bit of text. And so to make that work, you know, at the default sizes on the smallest devices and the most expensive, expansive languages, there's a reason why it goes full screen. It's because of that. So it's like you want to have a design that works even if it's just play and a play icon and it looks decent, you know, in, in, in that case. But then what happens if it's in, in Ukrainian, um, which we started uh, supporting last week? And that is that is now the king of expansive languages. It's the most expansive that I know of now. Um, and so that, that that becomes difficult. And, you know, one thing I, I learned while I was trying to, to, to adapt my, my dynamic icon button, which I made, um, is I used to have the, the leading and trailing constraints set with a, 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 you know, equal to. And if you do that, then, then you run into contention where, let's say, you have an icon on the left-hand side, then that wants to say pin to the, the leading edge and then the... the the right, you know, the, the trailing edge of, of the of the title label, you want that. If you have that pinned, then you have to kind of figure out, well, what happens to the, the icon, you know, and, and what you ultimately want really is to have the icon and and the label taking up whatever space is, is required and then have that floating in the center. And so there are, of course, different ways of doing it. But what I found is the magic that, that works in both cases is like greater than or equal to on the leading and less than or equal to on the trailing does work magic. And I, I imagine that that would be required in some cases, but in fact, it's very adaptive. It, it works right so that in the normal case um, where you're trying to just make the button take up the space that it needs, but, you know, not be pinned to the outer container or if you want it to be pinned to the outer container and, and have it stretched, that works too. So it's amazing when things work, you know, as you expect them to. And I'm thinking about this because uh, Ken Ferry, who was the father of auto layout, is in fact a breakpoint and, and produced lovely cello tracks on top. So the worlds have collided in happy ways. But, you know, on the one hand, I can say, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. This has made my life. This has made this thing possible. But then, then the next breath, like, God damn it, this is so incredibly difficult. Fuck it. I'm going to lay out subviews and calculated frames. <laughs> so, so one minute you're there in, in happy bliss listening to the the beautiful tones of his cello. And the next minute you're giving him a whack around the back of the head with his cello. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. I've had more decision dilemmas myself this week. Another project I'm working on. Um, I've got two sort of, I'm juggling between two things at the moment. So some quite long days going on. Um, uh, this is another project where we're implementing some new stuff. Um, and someone's done quite a lot of work on this project in the past. 
to sort of like uh, prototype or you know, proof of concept this this stuff. Um, now and of course that that proof of concept turned into quite a lot of work. So there's a branch on this code base. It's got you know it's got you know 150, 160 files that have changed. Some you know some of those are new. Some of them have got some quite comprehensive changes in. Yeah. So this isn't what I could. What I'm trying to say this wasn't like a two minute you know knock up something or whatever this was someone put some serious work into trying to prove uh you know a con- whether a concept worked or didn't work and you know the conclusion was it did work um and now the the time has come to implement uh the the proof the the feature into the app but the 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 problem is or the issue is that you know this app exists on multiple platforms and the the data in this app you know is so therefore shared between multiple platforms and part of this feature requires a you know a transition of data uh, you know from from one format to another format um and on the different platforms this transition has how it's going to work afterwards is slightly different for reasons I won't go into. But there are things that have to happen on Android, for example, after the transition that don't have to happen on iOS and and vice versa. Um, And so, you know, this proof of concept just took no, um, you know, quite rightly, because it was just being done on iOS, no account of what Android might need or not need as it's working on there. Uh, And, it stuck a whole bunch of data into metadata that's stored in the app in order to support this transition that's going on that turns out to be irrelevant to the Android app. Uh, and this metadata is going to live for a long time going onwards. Yeah. So then brings you into this question, you know, is it, is it okay to have shitloads of data in something that's only used on one platform and ignored on the other? Always with the, you know, the concern that it's accessible on the other side, and you know that data could be accessed, corrupted, done something else on the other platform. Or should we now say, okay, that was great for proof of concept, but now we should be finding ways that restrict this, this, this metadata to just remaining on the local device. And what does that do if something else happens? And so, it's this. Um, it's an interesting problem again because you know we've got all this work in a proof of concept. In some ways, you it's a bit, it's a bit messy because it was built over time. We could just take that branch and try and put it over the current development branch and say what the hell's working, or you start cherry picking it, but then things start you know have you got it all? Are there bits you're missing? Do you just accept this craft? Because and the t- danger is, it sounds like whenever you just allow things to be there that you don't really need elsewhere, it always sounds like it's okay to start with. But how many times you've been on a project where it comes along and goes, yeah, I wish we'd never left that data there because that's now giving us a problem. <laughs> um, that's now causing something. Or you know, someone engineer in one year's time on the Android app says, oh, that field seems to make sense. So I'll just use that, and it's le- legacy and old for something else in there. So like, I'm waffling. Uh, there are no conclusions here. There is no right or wrong answer. We haven't come to a decision yet. Um, I'm I'm proof of concepting the proof of concept now with, but taking into account the needs of the other platforms at the same time but it was just uh 
you know, I, I just raise it because it's not something we always think about. That um, I think the proof of concept was a very good idea, um, but it was a lot of work. And you know, how much of that? You know, it, it's like we always say, don't you? Never start a prototype because you know it will become the real project because no one ever scraps it and starts again. That's you know, basically how many apps out there are prototypes that never finished. So there we are. That's just um, I'm just sharing that because you know I just want to make it sound like I've been doing important things this week. <laughs> well, I think Scotty, it is important for you, and it's important in your world. And if it's important for you in your world, then it's important to the listener. I wish that was true. <laughs> That's we true. Are. I thank you for your help. So I think John, this would have been the perfect time to say, "There's one more thing." But you've already but blown that one. So I've already blown that one. Yeah. We started there. Although I will say, I, I will say, okay, I'll do my own one more thing. Um, two things happened this week uh, that um, that have not happened before uh, that I'm having to juggle my celebration time over. Okay, juggle for us. Well, the first is the New York Jets actually won a football game. Um, <laughs> which... <laughs> Which, you know, is so notorious, they even made a joke about it in um, Ted Lasso. Uh, have you seen, have you watched Ted Lasso? I uh, no, I heard it's good, uh, though. So, yeah. So, I think there's a point where uh, he's saying, um, yeah, yeah, he's obviously an American football coach, coaching a, a UK football soccer team. And he's saying, uh, they do this whole thing about losers, and they say, no, we don't call people at home losers. We call them jets. Um <laughs> <laughs> Or something like that. Um, uh, so, of course, in there. So, that is firstly congratulations, New York, just for winning a game. It is a, it is a momentous occasion in my life, being a very long time suffering New York Jets fan. Uh, but secondly, just I became a grandfather this week, which is uh, quite nice, and uh, therefore um, all of these uh, uh, things I've been saying are just bullshit to try and pretend that I've been doing some work this week because really I've just been looking at photos of little children and smiling uh, with a big grin on my face. Because I'm not allowed to see them yet because they're in hospital still and no one's allowed in because of COVID, so fuck COVID. But um, yeah. there we are. So really, anything I've said today is just a lie, just to try and make my clients think I've been doing some work. I've just been looking at baby photos. Well, it's a good thing that, that you know, not only your clients don't listen to this podcast, no one listens to this podcast. So your secret <laughs> is safe. <laughs> I did solve the problem. I have multiple monitors and therefore, therefore I can have baby photos on one of them while still doing work on the other. Oh, very smart. So, John, if people want to, um, you know, get hold of you to either uh, play your cello or whack you over the head with it concerning constraints, where should they do that? Well, you can find me on the Internet in the center of all calm discussion, which is Twitter, which by comparison to Facebook absolutely is. (laughs) So, I'm Jembe. And at least it's up at the moment. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so while it's still up, you can find me as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And Scotty, if people want to congratulate you slash taunt you for being so fucking old, um, where might they do that? They can do that where no taunting ever happens, ever. And that's on Twitter, where I am, MacDevNet, where only nice things are said and beautiful things are said to make the world a better place. <laughs> You don't believe me? No, I do believe you. I do. I do believe in your hope for a better world in the face of all evidence to the contrary. And through that lens, you understand where I come from every week. Yes, Mm -hmm. there we are. I hope the podcast will be a success through, (laughs) despite all (laughs) signs, to the contrary, every single week. (laughs) 
<laughs> but there we are. So I really don't know why we bother to say thanks for listening because we know nobody ever does. Um, but one day, one day in a million years, somebody may pick up some digitally downloaded copy of this that happens to exist on some device somewhere. And therefore we can say thanks for listening. And until next time, you take care. You know what that sound is? That's the sound of the outro on the needle on the vinyl because our shit's going to get pressed on vinyl. And when civilization is completely <laughs> falling apart, there will be vinyl records, the collected works of Scotty and John. That's the only recorded history of civilization. And here was me just thinking you climax too early again. No. <laughs> oh, well, that was, that was at least semi-fun. <laughs>